You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And today, let's take a look at the early signing period. There have been reports across the country talking about potentially moving early signing period back, maybe moving it forward. What do I think of that? What do you think of that? Let's go ahead and discuss that on today's episode. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube.com. Subscribe to the channel. We're growing every single day. And of course, make sure you join us on LockedOnPodcast.com. This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL and college football. It is the only place for a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit locationexp.com slash SB58, SB58 for more information or super search bowl on location. As always, my name is Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback, so give me a follow on Twitter, at Mr. Cole Thompson. Message me. Tell me what you want to hear, what you like, what you hate, all that and much, much more. Leave reviews on the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. It really helps boost up the channel. And, of course, subscribe right here. And, of course, also follow us at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Swap Man-related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So there have been reports about early signing period potentially changing in the future, and there's nothing wrong with early signing period. I don't think that anyone is complaining really about that. I think what people are complaining about is how it could be enhanced, how it can be changed. Now, for Texas A&M, the early signing period is great right now because of what it's doing is it's allowing players who are on the cusp of having to decide do they want to stay with their certain team or do they want to change schools because of coaching location? You know, the guy who recruited them is now on a different team, all that in a bundle of bags. Like there's a lot of different reasons. I look at this from a broad perspective. This is a weird year in college football. I think that everyone and their mother can understand that this is a very weird year in the realm of college football. And what do I mean by that? Well, you don't see many coaching changes like this. On average, TCU is the best job in America when the coaching carousel opens up. And if it's not the best job, it's the number two job behind LSU. But this year, USC is the best job. No, strike that. LSU is the best job. No, strike that. Notre Dame is the best job. Strike that. USC is the best. Strike that. Virginia Tech is the best. Strike that. You get my point? I mean, you look at all the major jobs that opened up. USC, Notre Dame, Oregon, technically Miami, even though it was only open for a hot minute. Virginia Tech, TCU, Virginia, they've actually started winning some football games, uh, you know, and, and so many more that I could really go through. Washington. I mean, there's so many teams that you look at that any single given year, that is the top job you're fighting for. That is the job that you want. That is the job that's like everyone is hoping they're the next head coach. Instead, it's, oh, everyone is getting a new head coach. And because of that, you're starting to see changes. So take, for instance, uh, Brownlow Dindy. So Brownlow Dindy is coming to Texas A&M. He's the number 10 prospect on SI99's uh, roster. I think on 24-7 sports, he's number 11 or 12, still top 15 player. He was going to go to play at Oklahoma because he wanted to go play for Lincoln Riley. But Lincoln Riley leaves, and because he leaves, he now has an opportunity to either decide, do I want to sign with the program or do I want to sign with the coach? There's an old saying that we talk about in scouting, especially when you look at the NFL level, and most of you guys do understand I do both NFL and college football coverage at a national perspective on top of doing Texas A&M. 
when you look at looking at scouting, you don't scout the helmet, you scout the talent. And in my opinion, if you're looking at programs and you're looking at facilities and you're looking at, you know, where you can get the best education, all that, that's what recruits should be looking at. What do I get the most? But nine times out of 10, that's not always the case. A lot of the time, it's based off personalities. How does my personality mesh with your personality? How do you sell me on your program? And I don't really want to go to this program. So a lot of guys don't want to go out West. They want to stay right here. They want to stay put. That's where they want to be. So I look at this from a perspective of, you know, just overall production, you know, overall, you know, numbers and Cisco's. I look at that and I sit here and I go, I want to see what's going to be the case because of with early signing period up now, they only have about 10 days to really decide what do I want to do? A move like Lincoln Riley going to USC, Brent Venables coming in, having to build an entire staff where you don't know who your coaches are, where you don't know who your staff members are. You don't know any of this stuff. To have a guy like Brownlow Dindy decommit, because if you want to go play for that staff, that staff's now gone, but he doesn't want to go all the way out to California, is beneficial for Texas A&M. But it's beneficial for Texas A&M in 2022. How does that work if Jimbo Fisher up and retires in two years? Well, a lot of players are there to play for Jimbo Fisher. And then you get a little upset that when he retires, nope, decommitting, decommitting, decommitting. And you go from being a top 10 recruiting class to probably more so a, let's just go say 15, 20. That does hurt. I mean, I talked about this a couple days ago, and I do mean this completely. Having college recruiting at the highest level is great for your program. And if you have a stable coach, you don't even need to be a great coach, just a stable coach or a really good recruiter, a really good offensive mind, a really good defensive mind working on your staff, it becomes easy to coach. Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time. I'm not going to sit here and argue that with anybody. I understand that there's a lot of people out there who are going to say, oh, well, Alabama lover. (laughs) No, he just is. Like, he just is. But it does help when you have great recruiters and it does help when you have great defensive minds and great offensive minds on his staff. So look at this. Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Brian Dable was really, really good. And he had an NFL perspective mind when he came into Tuscaloosa. You also add in guys uh, such as Jeremy Pruitt, a really, really, really good recruiter and knew the Alabama area very well. You added in Pete Golding, a really, really good recruiter. Not a great coach, but a really, really good recruiter. At one point, you had Kirby Smart and you had Mel Tucker on the staff. Really great recruiters, also really sharp minds that know how to coach. It becomes easier. Texas A&M is at the easiest point of its life right now because they have a really, really good defensive mind in the building, in Mike Elko. And Mike Elko also is an elite recruiter. So as long as you have him in the building, and Jimbo Fisher, you know, is a very good coach, I would argue that he's easily top 10. You could probably make an argument that he's number six to number five, somewhere in that range. I would very much say that it becomes easier for him to have a number two recruiting class and then build with that, just having good coaches around. I mean, honestly. Like, imagine if, like, Joe Brady, the the former offense coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, took an analyst job at College Station. Just an analyst job. It becomes so much easier to develop quarterbacks, to develop wide receivers, to develop offensive linemen, to develop running backs. It becomes easier on your offense because you have a great coach in the building. But you have a good head coach who also knows how to rah, 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 hype up the fans, and also hype up the players to believe in the culture, believe in the setting, believe in what they're doing is going to flourish full form. That's what you're hoping to see, and that's what you're probably going to see nine times out of ten. But I do look at this. Is it fair that we have early signing day at December 15th? I think it's okay 
But at the same time, I understand why people want to move it back. I'm not going to sit here and go tip or tat of why it should be, why it shouldn't be. I'm going to sit here and just spit facts. Fact is, when I look at early signing day for Texas A&M, this is a good year for them because they're watching teams, Miami, Oregon, USC, Oklahoma, Texas even. They're losing recruits because of certain players or certain coaches that recruited them are leaving the program and they're benefiting from it. But say Mike Elko leaves the program after this season. Say Mike Elko leaves the program in two years. Well, that number two recruiting class then goes down to number 10. And if you don't get the right recruiter in there, it's the same thing. The biggest thing that I think people are starting to notice is that players are not buying into the actual program itself. They're buying into the coach. So what you have to do is you have to be able to have, I think you have to push signing day back just a little bit. And uh, Bob Bowlesby, the uh, conference holder of, uh, I think it's the Big 12, came out and even said that right now they're hoping that early signing day can be a little bit further back right to the very beginning of February. They think that uh, they would be helpful for more of early departures. You'd be able to kind of help recruit. Players would also be able to see where they kind of sit in the recruiting ranks, where would they fall if they go to this one team. Because a team like AM, you're going to lose good, two really good defensive linemen, maybe three to the transfer portal. Well, a defensive lineman can come in and immediately have an opportunity to start. But say a guy like Jaden Peavy, if he had an extra year of eligibility, last second goes, I want to come back after the bowl game. Well, now... He comes back and the guy is signed and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to play next year. So you basically waste a year for him to be there for him to transfer. I understand what people are going to go ahead and say with this. I just think moving national signing day back after all the coaches are in, after all the time that you can kind of build up to recruit, it gives coaches time to build their staffs. It gives coaches time to sell the new program to the roster. And it gives players time to really see the program, not the coaches, not the facilities, not all that. See the actual program. See what you're doing. And a lot of players who come to Texas A&M say one thing. I fell in love with the program. Not Coach Fisher, not Coach Elko, not um, not the recruiters, not the facilities. I fell in love with the program. That's what you need to have. And I mean this from a national perspective. I do think that having this for Texas A&M is great in 2022. I'm just hopeful that in a few years, they won't get screwed over because of something like this does happen. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by, uh, by sorry about that, uh, NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, your championship insurance, but on the backswing, your hat falls over, covers your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility can have you relying on spreadsheets and outdated financial software, and you don't get to see the full picture. That's why you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 27,000 businesses use NetSuite right now. Through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a once-in-a-lifetime kind of financing program for all of you to ready your upgrades at netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-C-A-A. Head on over to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end-of-the-year financing and number one financial systems for a growing business. NetSuite.com slash locked on NCAA. Let's talk for a minute about kicking things up a notch for the big game, the Baron Sage, the Super Bowl. Actually, Super Bowl 56 that will be held at SoFi Stadium less than 100 days away and on location. 
It is the official hospitality partner of the NFL and the one place to score a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with former college superstars and NFL legends, Troy Aikman, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, Akar Jumanjahala, and much, much more. Plus accommodations at five-star LA hotels and food by the great Wolf Game Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information on search for Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right. Well, somebody brought this up to me yesterday and what I thought about the Quinn Ayers situation and why I don't think the Texas Aggies are beat. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. They're not going out. Like, that's a done deal. It's over. It's, don't need to expect it. But here's the reason why, more importantly, I don't think you need it. Because, in my opinion, your starting quarterback for the next two to three years is already either on the roster or signed. And that, to me, means it's either going to be Haynes King for the long term because if he does get an extra year of eligibility and Connor Wangman. Like, one of these two is going to work it out. When you look at King and you look at his intangibles and what he was able to do during his time at Longview, he was a great quarterback. And what was really interesting about him was his vision and his arm speed. Now, there is a difference between speed and strength. You can throw a ball going 65 miles an hour, but you also need to be able to throw that ball wicked tight. A guy like Haynes King maybe doesn't have the elite arm strength of what a Zach Calzada does where he can zip it like 95 yards down the field. I mean, just straight up, boom, and then just let it fly. But he's got a little bit more zip to the football. And that zip is a little bit more helpful. I talked about this multiple times on the show. I'll talk about it again. Zach Calzada was able to throw 96 miles an hour as a pitcher during his high school days in Georgia. You can tell that. You can absolutely tell that he at least has some pitching experience in his background because of watch the way he throws a football. It comes in about 96 miles an hour on a five-yard slam, on a 10-yard drag, on a seven-yard curl, on a 35-yard vertical. They all come in at the same speed. With a guy like Haynes King, you have a little bit more touch on the football. And by touch, I mean you still have that zip that comes in, but it allows it to kind of come in at a lesser speed. You know, like when they talk about car crashes, the closer you are and the harder it is to stop, and the harder it is to stop, it becomes a lot harder for you to be able to feel the impact. If you are going like 95 miles an hour and you have like 200 feet before you actually hit something, you're going to actually probably hit it at more so like, eh, let's just go like 65, 60 miles an hour. Because of the inertia, you're slowing down enough and it decreases. But when it leaves your hands, it leaves your hands at that speed. So a guy like Haynes King, what he can do is he can zig it, cock it back, and deliver a strike. But what he'll do is when that ball releases, it'll slowly come in. So by the time it hits a receiver 45 yards down the field, it's more so like coming in at 55 miles an hour because of the wind and because of the trajectory and all that has slowed it down enough. But it leaves its hand at 68 miles an hour. Like it just, it's a bullet. But you need that. You need that if you're playing quarterback, especially in the SEC. The other thing is that I've watched a lot. There have been multiple times where Calzada did not lead his receivers. Instead, he kind of just waited for his receivers, kind of they had to wait for him, ball kind of mitt in the middle. And then at that point, you know, it was either a catch or it was a drop. Where in Keynes' perspective, go back and watch the game against Kent State. Watch his throw to Caleb Chapman. That's what you want to see. You want to be able to see him leading his receiver. Chapman would have had a touchdown on that play if he didn't fall down. And it was really great to see a great wide receiver kind of step back in who's been dealing with a handful of injuries throughout his career. It was great to see that happen, 
But like that's the thing is that you're looking for. You're looking for the opportunity to see one of these receivers be able to just kind of go stretch the field and be hit in stride. Kazad really didn't do that. I think he did like a handful of times. A lot of times it was a wide receiver kind of waiting. Even the one that he had with uh, Demond Demas in week three against New Mexico. Like, Demond had to slow down. I need to be able to have that. And on the same side, Wegman does the exact same thing. He's got a lot more touch on the football. He's got a lot more poise. His accuracy, I do think, is a little bit better than both King and Calzada. But at the same time, I also think that his mechanics need a little bit more work than a guy like King. King is, to me, like a um, is like a surgeon. You know, he's very technical, very quick crossing. And that's why when you saw those interceptions, you watched how quick they were thrown. Because if he was so quick to, the, to analyze, he goes through. It's like his, everything's running a mile a minute. He's got to worry about that, or Wegman really doesn't. Wegman's got to worry about more of erratic throws, which I do think is a problem. But he is accurate when, it, like when he's coming across the middle of the field. A lot of short passes. This would have been the year with Anaya Smith being in your slot. Probably Jalen Weidemeyer still being your go-to tight end. This would have been the year that I probably would have gone with Wegman over a guy like Calzada, only because of I think his accuracy across the middle of the field is a little bit better. He's got a little bit more touch. So Quinn Ayers, I get it. I totally understand. And adding a guy like him for NIL especially is so huge. I mean, it's so detrimental. But the last thing I want to do is ruin the chemistry I already have with my wide receivers. And I mean, not my wide receivers, my quarterbacks. I know what I got with Haynes King. I know what I have with Zach Calzada. I know what I have with Eli Stowers to an extent, and that's probably more so an athlete than a quarterback, and we're going to go ahead and use him as an athlete as best as possible. I don't know what I have with Wingman yet, but everything that I've heard and everything that I've seen and also at the same time, having that background and having that connection for the last two years between him and Jimbo Fisher and Daryl Dickey to where it was kind of decided I am going to be A&M's next quarterback down the line. To have that background, to have that persona, to have all of those things that is huge. That's very, very big for the program. That's very, very big for the success of the program down the line. The last thing I would want to do is have a guy who reclassified himself because he had the grades and he had the hours and he had the credits to do so come in and say, oh, I'm now going to be QB1. You can just go play baseball. And then he goes, no, I'm going to transfer. Goodbye, Jim- Goodbye Jimbo. Goodbye, everybody. I'm going to go to another program and be really successful there. You Remember what happened the last time that that was around? A guy by the name of Kyler Murray. Played both football and baseball for the program. How's he doing? How's he looking right about now? I mean, that would that'd really be helpful. That would have been really helpful for both Jimbo, and it really, really would have been helpful for Kevin Sumlin to probably keep that guy in his back pocket for at least another two years or so. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Maiden. If you're serious about upgrading your kitchen and toolware, make sure you go to the one place that we love, and that is Made In. Made In is awesome. I buy my pots and pans from there. They're nonstick. They're very easy. They're really cool on the stove. They don't overheat. It doesn't stain as well, and the food tastes really amazing. That's because of its high-quality craftsmanship made for you. And you should check out Made In because Made In cookware and kitchenware is the one that is used by renowned chefs and artisan people across the country. Made In products are produced by professional quality cookware for those who love to cook. The source is at its finest material and the partners with renowned craftsmen make premium kitchen tools available for you without the whole markup that you have to pay at top dollar. 
Made-in products are made to last long time, and more importantly, they offer you a lifetime guarantee. There's over 40,000 five-star Michelin reviews across the country, and there's some of the biggest Michelin-starred restaurants across the world. Made-in better cookware made for better meals, and right now you can go ahead and get the offer for 15% off your first order when you use the promo code Locked On. It's great for the holiday season. It's great for those who are trying to get it. I'm buying my grandma one for Christmas, so shh, don't tell anybody on that. It's great discount available and best discount you will find on maiden.com anywhere across the country. Go to maiden.com, use the promo code locked on to use 15% off your first order. That's locked on at Made in Cookware using promo code locked on to solidify 15% off your next purchase. Made in Cookware, made easy. The holiday season is here and you're going to want to get some extra cash in your pocket. So make sure you go to the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all sporting action this season. Head on over to our new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up using the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, and much, much more. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get into the action visiting betonline.ag. Where the game starts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. Now make sure your second listen is Locked On Bets with your boy Cuban handicapping expert Lee Sterling. The daily picks, wagers, odds, and much, much more when you visit the Locked On Bets podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. So someone brought this up to me talking earlier this week about what to do about the college football playoff expansion. Now, this year is one that does not matter to Texas A&M. Even if they were to finish 9-3 and or 10-2, and they would not have gotten in because they would have lost the head-to-head matchup to Ole Miss. So they would have been completely out of the conversation. And there probably would have been three or four SEC teams that would have been in. You probably would have had the argument maybe over Kentucky, but that's about it. If you finish with nine with a 9-3 and record. But in the future... We start looking at the opt-outs. Now, a lot of people are getting mad that DeMarvin Leal is quote-unquote quitting on his team well before the season's over. There still is a bowl game to be played, and it's one of three bowl games that isn't a New Year's Six Bowl that has two ranked opponents. The other two are, uh, it's the uh, Citrus Bowl with Kentucky versus Iowa, and the other one is the Alamo Bowl with Oregon versus Oklahoma. So facing off against Wake Forest is technically a big game because it's one of nine games that features features two ranked opponents in them. I don't really care. I mean, anybody out there who understands, DeMarvin Leal is about ready to be a top 10 pick, maybe even a top 20 pick. I mean, at the worst, he's going to be top 20. He's got money to worry about. He's got to worry about his future. He's got to worry about his own success with his own family, financial services, all that. And I get NIL is changing the game. But if you're not playing for something a little bit bigger, then... I understand where you're coming from. And the people are always talking about, well, what about the New Year's Six Bowl games? Why do people opt out of those? They opt out because they know that they could hurt themselves and they could be an afterthought in the draft. I mean, think about this for a second. John Mechie of Alabama hurt himself in the SEC Championship with the torn ACL. He's not going to go anywhere in the first two rounds. Like, that's a done deal. He will not go in the first two rounds. He will probably go round three, and that's if he properly heals and gets the right surgery and can be available to play week one or week two of the NFL season. You don't want to go ahead and ruin your draft stock, especially if you're a guy who's a solidified first-round pick to not play. But naturally, there's going to be people out there who have this argument, who have this conversation, who want to talk about it. So the reason why you expand the college football playoff is players will stay. I can tell you that right now. Players will stay. If DeMarvin Leal was playing on the number 10 Texas A&M football team, and they were facing off against number seven, let's just throw us out there, Baylor, 
in the first round of the playoffs. He would 100% be playing. Because of after that, if they win that game, they would move on to another round. And if they move on to another round, they'd have an opportunity to play for a national championship. When you expand the playoffs, it becomes a little bit more fun. Now, I don't think that people are going to sit here and go, oh, Cincinnati has a legitimate shot. Cincinnati has a shot to maybe put up some points. They don't have a legitimate shot to win, in my opinion, but they have a legitimate shot to put up some points on Bama. But again, you're not going to see players opt out. You're not going to see Sauce Gardner go anywhere. You're not going to see Jerome Ford opt out of the game. You're not going to see Desmond Ritter not play in this game because he has an opportunity to do something that has never been done in the program's history become the first group of five team to win a national championship in the new college football playoff era. You're not going to see players at Texas A&M opt out if it's a eight-team playoff, if it's a 12-team playoff. You're not going to see that at any school if it's an eight-team or a 12-team playoff. So the competition is a little bit better. The games are a little bit more fun to watch. And everyone always talks about what happened with Dan Mullen. When Dan Mullen last year said, oh, well, this is no longer the 2020 team. This is the 2021 team we're filling in the Cotton Bowl. That doesn't sit well with fans. That doesn't sit well with boosters. That doesn't sit well with players on the roster. That doesn't sit well with anybody. So when you have players actually play for something that matters, this is where it comes in mind. Now, again, this is a year where I look at Texas A&M, never was going to happen. Never was. You were never going to be able to have everyone so happy to where they would absolutely return for another season. But in the future, say like next year, you had eight teams. And Texas A&M was the number seven seed. And they had to play number two. Let's just say number two was, uh, let's go Michigan. Let's just go Michigan because they were number two this year. You don't think that Antonio Johnson would want to play, have an opportunity to win a national championship? You don't think that a guy like McKinley Jackson would want to play, have an opportunity for a national championship? What about Edrian Cooper? Or let's throw another one out there. Like a uh, Anaya Smith, if he were to come back. The reason you play in these games is because they matter. A bowl game like the Gator Bowl doesn't matter to anything other than the record for the year and bragging rights for the trophy case, but it does if you have an expanded college football playoff. So everyone's like, oh, well, what about, you know, competition? What about, you know, there's always a few teams that feel like they're, they're pretenders even if they're in the top four. Sure, every few times you see that, but nine times out of ten, anything can happen on any given Saturday. I've watched it. You've watched it. You've watched Alabama march into College Station as a 26.5-point favorite and lose by three. Not only lose the game, lose by three. You watched where everyone said Alabama was going to get completely obliterated by Georgia, and they just handed Kirby Smart one of the worst ass whoopings of his entire career. When you hear that, you just know that anything is possible when there's something to play for. If you open up the playoffs and you expand it, I don't think the 16 teams, I think that's way too much. I think 12 is way too much. But go eight. Power five winners and three best bids. The three best teams afterwards, go ahead and offer those five teams. You will see immense success coming your way. I promise you it will happen. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. I'll be back tomorrow to break down bowl game eligibility for certain players. What do I think happens? Where do I think we stay or go? We'll talk about that. See you soon. And remember, take them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.